Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. As always, I hope you had a great week. And you can always find Let's Talk Micro on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Pandora. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Let's Talk Micro. As far as social media, I am on Instagram as Let's Talk Micro, no apostrophe, Twitter, Let's Talk Micro 1, TikTok, Let's Talk Micro, YouTube channel, Let's Talk Micro, and LinkedIn as Luis Plaza. So please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, download episodes, leave a review if the app allows you to do so, and definitely leave any feedback via social media or via email at letstalkmicro at outlook.com. If you have any podcast topic suggestions, any other feedback, they are always welcome and appreciated. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, please go ahead and do so. It was a great episode, definitely in the heart of clinical microbiology. It was about the Clinical Microbiology Procedures Handbook, or the CMPH. And those of you that are in management, maybe lead techs, you might be familiar with them. Before, it used to be like the three binders. Some people liked them, some didn't. So now the fifth edition just came out, and it is five books, and they're not bulky or anything. There are five books, and in my opinion, they seem very nice. You know, they're not heavy. So the editors-in-chief of the 5th edition, Dr. Amy Lieber and Dr. Carrie Ann Burnham, they came to the podcast to talk about this edition, you know, what's new, what change. You know, they talk about it like COVID serology, fungal serology. So they talk about all the changes. And, you know, in the spirit of, of what Let's Talk Micro is, which is, you know, microbiology in simple terms. They talk about what the CMPH is, how, you know, how the content relates to what we do in clinical microbiology, where is the information obtained from. So overall, it was a great, you know, it was very educational, very informative. And both, you know, Dr. Lieber and Dr. Burnham, they've been guests before. So it's always a great, you know, talking to them again. So great episode. So if you haven't checked it out, please go ahead and do so. So today's episode is about Shigella. And I have two experts that came from the CDC. And I have to say, you know, shout out to the CDC. They've been very great. You know, this is the second time that I reached out with, you know, a request for an episode. And almost immediately I received a reply. And then everything, you know, it was booked so quick and everything worked out so fast. So very expedient. So definitely shout out. And I appreciate the CDC for, you know, for being able to send experts and, you know, they take the time to come to Let's Talk Micro. So I'm very grateful for that. So thank you. So maybe, I don't know if you, if you know, if you're aware, but the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they released a notice on extensively drug-resistant Shigella or XDR in February of this year. So Dr. Naima Logan and Dr. Louise Francois Watkins, they joined the podcast to talk about XDR or extensively drug-resistant Shigella, and they break it down. You know, they talk about what's you know, Shigella, they talk about Shigellosis, how is it transmitted, you know, what population is at risk, why was the notice released, you know, and I ask questions about this this drug resistance and, you know, how is it acquired? Because those of you in micro, you know that, you know, you heard about plasmids, you heard about all these mechanisms 
that sometimes, you know, organisms can pass to another. So, you know, they talk about how Shigella is friendly to plasmids. And they find a lot of the resistant mechanisms in plasmids. So it was definitely a great episode. I had a great time talking to both of them and learning more about Shigella, which is a pathogen that those of us that work in clinical microbiology are definitely familiar with. So overall, great episode, very informative. So let's go ahead and listen to it. So those of us that work in the lab, you know, in clinical micro, you're familiar with Shigella. Maybe if you're not taking a microbiology course, you're hearing about it. You might have heard about it on the news. And there was recently a, a, an alert that was released by the CDC regarding Shigella and drug resistance. So I thought it would be a good time to bring some experts to talk about it. So with me today, I have two guests, Dr. Louise Francois Watkins and Dr. Naima Logan. Doctors, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Thank you so much. Thank you. Definitely my pleasure. So for the audience, uh, can we go ahead and start with a quick introduction? Yes, I'm Naima Logan. I'm a physician in internal medicine and a medical officer uh, with the CDC. And I'm Louise Francois Watkins. I'm also a physician in internal medicine and uh, preventative medicine. I uh, work at the CDC predominantly on antimicrobial resistance. Definitely a very uh, a hot topic. Um, so let's go ahead. You know, we have audiences from all kinds, some students, professionals. So let's go ahead and start simple. So, you know, what is Shigella? <laughs> so I'll start with that question. Uh, shigellosis, um, as we also refer to it, it's a diarrheal disease and it's caused by uh, the Shigella bacteria. Now, in the U.S., Shigella caused an estimated uh, 450,000 infections and over 6,000 hospitalizations per year. And that results in some $3 million in direct health care costs annually. Uh, there are four known Shigella species, and most infections in the U.S. are caused by Shigella sonii and flexneri, and that nuance in the species we can talk about later. Infections are generally self-limiting, though treatment may be indicated to reduce symptoms and prevent complications, and my colleague can talk more about that. Uh, currently, uh, CDC, uh, we define XCR Shigella as strains that cannot be treated with the commonly recommended empiric and al alternative antimicrobials. So that's azithromycin, ciprofloxacin, ceftriaxone, trimethin sulfa, and ampicillin. And because of the very limited clinical data currently available, a CDC doesn't have recommendations for optimal management of these uh, challenging XDR infections. Okay, thank you for that. And I'll, as we continue, I'll probably ask you to touch a little bit more on this on these topics. Um, so as far as so we have shigellosis, so how do we acquire it and uh, how do we transmit it to others? Uh, yeah, so transmission is uh, fecal-oral, and Shigella spread so easily. Uh, they spread through person-to-person -person contact, including through sexual contact, as well as indirectly through contact with objects and contaminated food and water. Uh, because of its really low infectious dose, outbreaks are very common, uh, typically among people in close contact settings, and also in areas with private living conditions. Louise, I also wanted to mention that multiple reports of shigellosis co-occurring with other STIs, including HIV, have also been described. 
And this is so important because people don't often think of Shigella as being sexually transmitted, but they can be. And that includes either through direct sexual contact, indirect sexual contact, so just handling contaminated objects, just sex toys or used condoms or barrier, barriers, and condomless sex as well. Wow, that's very interesting. You know, we definitely, and, and typically, you know, us in the lab, we think about, especially, you know, working in, in, in micro and we think about our cultures, you know, we think about stool and yeah, we don't think about, you know, uh, STI. So it's, that's definitely very interesting. Um, okay. So you said, so it's transmitted sexual transmission, any other, I mean, population at risk, you know, typically you have with a lot of diseases and stuff, you have like immunocompromise or any other type of population. So, you know, when we think of Shigella in general, historically, children younger than five years old have been at highest risk for kind of drug-susceptible shigellosis. But again, of course, people of all ages can get the disease. But, you know, I'll start with just kind of drug-susceptible infection. So with regards to young children that we typically see, um, many outbreaks occur in early care and education settings in schools. And infection commonly spreads from young children to their family members and other people in the communities because the bacteria, again, spread just so easily. More recently, CDC has observed an increase in drug-resistant Shigella infections among high-risk groups. So specifically, men have sex with men, or MSM. So here the Shigella can pass from stool or soiled fingers of one person to the mouth of another person, including during sexual activity. Uh, we're also seeing it among people experiencing homelessness. Uh, so these groups are at high risk for Shigella infection when their shigellosis spread in the community. And this group faces challenges in their living situations that, in, in, that can increase the risk for disease transmission, which results in outbreaks. We also see a drug-resistant shigellosis among international travelers and people living with HIV. Okay, and um, you know, you touched earlier a lot um you know, what kind of drugs, and I'm going to ask a little bit more about that in a minute. But so as far as, you know, treatment, how is, you know, when you have a, a shigellosis, how is it normally treated? So people with mild infections may only require supportive care, meaning things like fluid and electrolyte replacement to prevent dehydration. Um, antibiotics are recommended for patients who have more severe illness and can be helpful to shorten the duration of symptoms, usually by about two days. So sometimes antibiotics are also recommended to help stop the shedding of bacteria in the stool, uh, and that can help to prevent transmission to other people. So for example, in something like an outbreak setting. Okay. And uh, so when I opened, you know, I saw that the, I saw that the social media, and then I did a little more research about it. But there was a, a health advisory released by the CDC on February of this year. Um, so why was this released? Yes. So, you know, CDC, we've been observing this increase in extensively drug-resistant shigellosis or XDR uh, that's been reported through our national surveillance systems. And this is really concerning because XDR shigellosis is resistant to all generally recommended antibiotics in the U.S., as I mentioned before, and that makes them so difficult and challenging to, to treat. Uh, we received multiple communications also from ID or infectious disease specialists inquiring about treatment options uh, for these XCR Shigella cases. So before CDC issued a nationwide alert on XCR Shigella infections through the Health um, Action Network, or HANA as we refer to it, uh, we gathered and analyzed national data from multiple data sources, 
including PulseNet, which is a national laboratory network of the National Antimicrobial Resistance Monitoring System that Louise and I both work for, and also our outbreak investigations. Now remember, shigellosis is a nationally notifiable disease, and we ask public health laboratories to submit every 20th Shigella isolate received from clinical labs to, the, to CDC for testing. And what we observed is that, you know, the first case of extra Shigella infection in the US was reported in 2016. Since then, the percentage of reported Shigella infections caused by XDR strains has rapidly increased to 5% in 2022. And moreover, our national surveillance uh, data shows that from 2015 through 2022, the greatest number of XDR shigellosis was among adult men. And this trend has steadily increased. Additionally, adult men had the highest proportion of XDR cases too, at 85%, more or less. Again, this is preliminary data. So these trends are also consistent with recent increases in outbreaks of antimicrobial resistant shigellosis among MSM. So now reporting from 2022 onwards is not complete. However, preliminary data does suggest a concerning and substantial trend of increasing extract shigella, shigella cases. And we wanted the public to be aware of this. Okay, thank you for that. And so you were you were asking for so if laboratories, if we have you know, um, if we have a Shigella and it's this resistant, so to send the samples to the CDC. Louise, my colleague can comment on that. Sure. So most Shigella isolates in the United States are going to be coming from human sources, but that's really what we specialize in at CDC. So very rarely a laboratory might um, obtain a Shigella isolate from a non-human source, uh, like a, another type of primate. We do not need to receive those types of specimens. Um, but routinely, clinical labs should be submitting Shigella specimens directly to their state public health lab. And the state, it's really the state labs that will take care of submitting the isolates to CDC that we need for our surveillance. Thank you. That's what I was thinking. And I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, we typically, for the audience, we typically send our samples to the state department, to our health state department. That's who we deal with. Yes, 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 exactly. So everyone should follow their state reporting. Um, recommendations. Okay, got it. Thank you for that. Um, so, you know, um, Naima, you, you mentioned, you know, the drugs. So if we have a Shigella that has XDR, then what can we use to treat it? Oh, you know what? And I'm going to actually have my colleagues speak about this because we discussed that very question in our uh, COCA call in February. Uh, Louise? Sure. So, you know, again, the, the XDR, that stands for extensively drug resistant. And right now there is no uh, universally accepted definition of, of XDR Shigella, but um, at CDC, we consider Shigella to be XDR if they're resistant to all of the antibiotics that are commonly used for treatment. So again, these would include ampicillin, azithromycin, ciprofloxacin, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, and ceftriaxone. And uh, in the United States, it's often the addition of the ceftriaxone resistance that really um, tips a strain into the XDR realm from being just a multidrug resistant strain. Resistance to all of those other antibiotics is um, unfortunately fairly common these days. Um, so that's sort of what makes a Shigella 
strain XDR. And in terms of, of what we can use to treat it, that's a good question. So as of now, we don't actually know the best answer. There are some antibiotics that appear to kill XDR shigella in vitro or in the laboratory setting, but we don't um, know how well they work in vivo or in actual people. We need more research, including clinical trials to kind of help establish the best treatment for XDR shigella for that reason. Okay. Um, so then what about any, you know, like as, as we know, sometimes, you know, like uh, some bacteria, they can pass some, you know, resistance, you know, resistant mechanisms to others. As far as you know, are there any mechanisms like that that are making it resistant? Yes. So the antibiotic resistance that we see in Shigella is typically due to resistance genes or mutations in the bacteria's DNA. Um, and some of these genes and mutations are part of the bacteria's chromosome, so part of the actual chromosomal DNA. But many of the resistance genes are carried on something called plasmids or loops of DNA that can pass between different types of bacteria. And Shigella are um, for lack of a better term, they're especially friendly to plasmids compared with other bacteria that are part of the uh, order Enterobacterialis. So most Shigella bacteria that we see in the United States have markers for multiple plasmids in their genomes. And we see a lot of diversity in the plasmids that are present, even among Shigella bacteria that are identical or nearly identical chromosomally. So this sort of suggests that Shigella bacteria frequently acquire new plasmids. Um, so when a Shigella bacterium acquires a plasmid that carries a resistance gene for a certain antibiotic, that bacterium and all of its future progeny uh, will become resistant to that antibiotic. So I hope that started to answer your question, but let me know if I can clarify anything there. No, no, that it definitely did. Yeah, and this is something you know we we as medical lab scientists and you know and and microbiologists, you know we we have an understanding on this. So yeah, you definitely did. Um, so as far as has have there any been has there been any updates since this notice? Um, so since we posted the Health Alert Network notice in late February, CDC has continued to see many new cases of extensively drug-resistant Shigella. Um, so we expect that the percentage of these XDR Shigella isolates will be at least as high in 2023 as it was in 2022, if not higher. Um, and we also have detected an outbreak of XDR Shigella linked to travel on a cruise ship just in the last few weeks. So um, otherwise, we're continuing to monitor for these cases, um, but we we are continuing to see them come in. Okay. And um, so we as, you know, health workers, I mean, you know, we, we, we're definitely aware of, you know, like hand washing and, and cleaning and things like that. And, and as you have touched on things, you know, that can be, you know, where Shigella can be transmitted, you know, you talked about the fecal overload, you know, uh, sexual practices. So what can we do to prevent the spread of Shigella? Ah, uh, yeah. So because Shigella is so easily transmittable, prevention really is key. And the single most important prevention activity, Louise, is meticulous hand hygiene. So strict attention to hygiene is essential to limit the spread. And this really entails hand washing, scrubbing with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Um, and then also because even a microscopic amount of feces can contain millions of Shigella bacteria. I, I keep stressing this to really hit home this point. Um, we also recommend hand washing during key times, such as uh, before preparing food or eating, uh, after going to the bathroom or changing a diaper, and before any sexual activity. 
And I wanted to spend just a, a few moments on uh, some extra time on this because this is really key to the sexual transmission, well, the transmission of uh, drug resistant and XCR Shigella that we're seeing, the sexual transmission. So people can also take steps to prevent the spread of uh, Shigella uh, via sexual transmission by washing their hands, genitals, anus, and sex toys with soap and water before and after sexual activity, and also washing hands after touching used sex toys, uh, using barriers like condoms or dental dams during oral sex and oral anal sex. People should wait at least two weeks after diarrhea to have sex and practice safe sex for several additional weeks. Uh, finally, patients should see their doctor, doctor if they have diarrhea, uh, especially bloody diarrhea, and this helps ensure that they're receiving the proper care, including the right uh, antimicrobial, if indicated. And then just other important general control measures help prevent the spread of Shigella uh, include, if possible, don't prepare food for others, avoid swimming in recreational water venues, and um, those with suspected or confirmed shigellosis should stay home from school, food service, or childcare jobs until their health department says it's safe to return. And then healthcare providers uh, play a special role as well because they can counsel their patients with suspected or confirmed shigellosis about measures they can take uh, to keep others healthy. And then finally, we'd like to share that CDC has a variety of health promotion materials, which are intended to raise awareness of Shigella prevention um, on our websites. And these print materials can be found on CDC Info On Demand, and they can also be ordered free of charge. Okay. All right. So CDC Info On Demand, and then they can also order it free of charge. So there you have it for the audience. So um, is there anything else that uh, you want to add? I have a few thoughts. I don't know if any of your listeners may be interested in some of the more clinical aspects of extensively drug-resistant Shigella, or um, potentially maybe you have listeners who are just looking for some free continuing education credits. But uh, we could also mention that Dr. Logan and I and some of our colleagues created a clinician outreach and communication activity on XDR Shigella. And that's also available for free uh, through the CDC um, COCA Clinician Outreach and Communication Activity website. And then I guess in addition, if we if we have a you know a last chance to give a message here, we'd really like all of your listeners to care about antibiotic resistance as a public health issue. Um, you know, we consider antimicrobial resistance to be one of the greatest public health challenges of our time. Few treatment options exist for people infected with antimicrobial resistant bacteria. And what we're seeing happening in Shigella, this sort of running out of all of the treatment options that have been studied, this is happening simultaneously with other types of infections. So we appreciate when our um, partners from spheres that overlap with public health, including uh, microbiologists, uh, really take an interest and care about this issue. Yes, and just to piggyback off what my colleague said, um, absolutely, healthcare providers, you know, play such a vital role. We can't stress this enough that with the testing and management of Shigella cases, but they also help um, um, amplify important public health messages for us about transmission and prevention. And, you know, just to close with these kind of final sound bites for um, your audience, healthcare providers um, really should consider shigellosis and the differential of patients with acute infectious diarrhea, especially for patients at higher risk, the ones that we mentioned. 
And then because drug-resistant Shigella infections have been reported with increasing frequency among these um, high-risk groups, so that's international travelers, immunocompromised persons, MSM, people experiencing homelessness, providers really should ask patients about relevant exposures, social history, uh, travel history, and uh, especially sexual activity and housing status. Yes, you know, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely a good place to where when the patient goes, you know, not everyone, you know, is aware of these things and might not see all the communications or might be familiar with, you know, Shigella. So definitely, yeah, when you go with symptoms and go to your provider, that's definitely a great place. And, um, and thank you for all those resources. You know, I know the audience definitely likes it. And in the lab community, you know, we definitely like things, you know, that offer continuing education. So I will definitely make sure that I pass these resources so everyone can take advantage of them. Well, um, you know, Luis and Naima, you know, this has been so informative and definitely thank you for taking the time to come in to Let's Talk Micro. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for having us. My pleasure. And that, my dear audience, is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy learning about extensively drug-resistant Shigella. As always, I enjoy sharing this information with you. So please continue bringing that passion to what you do. It's always so important. We do such great work. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episodes. Thank you for the support. The support. Stay tuned. Great things are coming your way. As always, stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time. Bye.